Hey, Breakthrough listeners, it's Jason Lowe and Peter Lount from episode number 107. At Ascendant Financial, mybankersvault.com, we specialize in teaching real estate investors across Canada the process of becoming your own banker, the infinite banking concept. Do you also find it frustrating when it's difficult to access the financing you need or when the housing market moves against you? And when there's unexpected prolonged vacancy or expensive repairs, are you tired of transferring all that money away from you? We have the solution at mybankersvault.com. By becoming your own banker, anything that you are already doing financially, including real estate investing, is radically improved. Whether utilizing this process for down payments or for entire real estate purchases, becoming your own banker puts you in a position to control the repayment schedule on your loans while enhancing your overall returns. Whether you are brand new to real estate or a seasoned investor, we believe that ready access to money and financial control should be in your hands not the banks or a loan officer. We have an exclusive and irresistible package for Breakthrough Podcast listeners. If you want the best way to build and deploy capital, easier access to money, better returns, and less headaches, head on over to mybankersvault.com. That's mybankersvault.com. Tired of the nine to five? Tired of only dreaming about the things you want to do? Want to have more time for your family? More time for you? More time for you? This is the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast, where we interview qualified guests in the real estate industry all across Canada. We want you to live life on your terms, and we want to help you break through to that life through the power of real estate investing. This is the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. Now your hosts, Rob Brake and Sandy McKay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Um, we're very excited to see you again and very excited to share some more real estate information for your ears and your mind. And uh, once again, I am joined here with by uh, Sandy McKay. How are you? Yeah, Rob. Doing fantastic. And... Uh... Excited to say for the show. We've got some interesting uh, conversations to have here. I agree. Um, we'll get to that in just one minute. But first, everyone should go over to our website, breakthroughreipodcast.ca. Download all of the uh, past episodes. Listen to them there. Uh, get in touch with all of our guests. You can click into the show notes and have all of their information on how to get a hold of them and information on what they talked about. Um, sometimes they'll leave us little... Uh, um, pieces of you know uh, materials that they referenced through the podcast so all that stuff is in there and of course you can get our free gift you got a free gift the ultimate strategy for building wealth through real estate and when you do that you of course get on our email list as well and you will start to receive some stuff from us hopefully all valuable uh, pieces of content and uh, opportunities to learn and grow with us along the way and so go pick that up absolutely and go over to iTunes, leave us a rating review. You guys know it helps us get out there to as many ears as possible. And, um, and you know, or, or just even leave us a, a rating, right? You can just click on the five stars and that makes it, makes it even easier. Easy five stars. Let us know if you want to hear any, any uh, specific content too. We're always looking for, uh, you know, uh, questions and, you know, thoughts on what we should bring to the table here. We're, we're bringing tons of good Canadian contents from across the country. And um, 
you know, that's pretty much our, our focus. And sometimes, uh, you know, we get some great, great people reaching out and, and asking us for specific content about, you know, land development or farmland or specific strategies that people are wanting to implement. And uh, if you ask us that, we'll, uh, we'll do our best to find uh, the experts to bring them on here. Absolutely. And today is no different. We've got an exciting story today. Super exciting. Kind of brings us back. Uh, we were talking about this, Rob, on another show uh, yesterday and uh, kind yeah. of bringing us back to some of our roots. So it's pretty exciting here to, uh, to talk about wholesaling. They, 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 they looked a little slightly different from my perspective than, than, uh, <laughs> than what we're going to talk about today, I think. But uh, yeah, I mean, same strategies, different outcome, possibly a little bit. But uh, yeah, we're excited. Let's, let's roll into this, Sandy. Awesome. Well, we've got our guest here. Uh, John Pye with us, and John is a 24-year-old wholesaler real, and real estate investor. He's been in real estate since uh, 2016, so really young and fresh uh, out of the gate there. Um, 18, I guess, if I do the math there, is when he probably uh, started out in this world of real estate. Uh, you're working full-time as a real estate agent originally, and um, selling houses, doing 3 to $5 million in sales per year. And then uh, we are just a little over six months here since he transitioned into wholesaling real estate uh, as the focus. And uh, get this, 600K in revenue in just six months as a wholesaler. So pretty cool numbers there. And we're excited to learn about how you've done all this. So uh, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, I think when we first got connected, uh, it was about a month ago. Um, bio changed a bit since. It's 23 at that point. I think I was at 500. Um, but yeah, no, just sticking to the system, sticking to sticking to. Um, everything that I built through being an agent and getting coached through that kind of transitioned that into wholesaling and yeah, no, it's been good. So yeah, let's go right back. Let's talk about how you got started. Um, 18 when you got going in real estate. So let's hear about that. Yeah. So, um, so when I was 18 from when I was really young, actually is when it kind of started not in real estate, but just the mindset. So I always wanted to do something that I could scale and that I could uh, work for myself in. So I think it started when I was probably, I want to say 14, 15. Um, I would just look into things. I was, I was just throwing a bunch of stuff at a wall to see what stuck. So at one point I opened like a flea market booth. I went for my insurance license. I went for my real estate license. Um, so when I was, uh, yeah, so when I was 18, I graduated high school six months early. Um, and so my birthday, uh, February, I went for my real estate license when everyone was still in school. Ended up getting actually fully licensed 2017, so I loafed it a bit on that. Um, and then going into 2018, January 2018, I hired a coach, uh, Michael Plowman. He's he's uh, son of a pretty popular agent here in Durham Region. And um, yeah, I learned a ton from him, and then kind of took all those same skills into wholesaling. And yeah, it's 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 just kind of gone from there. Yeah. Yeah, so you were really eager to get into uh, into some sort of entrepreneurship. It sounds like, and just uh, you know, business world in, in 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 general. And then you kind of wound up in real estate. What brought you to real estate? Was there something uh, specifically like attractive about real estate, or how did you just kind of fall into it? Um, it made sense to me. So I I wanted to start. Um, I guess you could say flipping products, um, and that's kind of why I opened the flea market booth because I wanted to start kind of wholesaling different um, items. But with real estate, it made sense because on with different items, they either depreciate or there's not that much of a spread. But 
with real estate, it, it appreciates and your income goes up in direct correlation with inflation. Um, also, you have so many different ways you can make money with, you know, obviously mortgage pay down um, and even just different strategies all, all across the board with real estate. So it just made sense. And uh, just, uh, you know, we're going to dive deeper on all this, of course. What areas of uh, what areas do you, do you cover currently with your uh, your business? What locations? Um, everywhere, basically. <laughs> so um, we can get more into it in a little bit, but typically. So if, if the area is a bit too far, some deals, um, I think my last, uh, well, before my most recent deal, uh, the six prior deal, five or six deals, I had never seen the property. So that's not a very popular thing I know in wholesaling, but it's opportunity cost to get more deals locked up because it's, it's a time game as well, right? To get deals locked up as, as quick as possible. So basically everywhere, even I send flyers to Sudbury as well. It's about four hours from me. Um, so yeah, no specific area. Hmm, cool. So yeah, so you're, you're, you're located in like kind of Durham region, just east of Toronto and you're going as like pretty far north in Toronto or north in Ontario, sorry, up to Sudbury, maybe beyond that to find yeah, deals. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Hey investors. We want to let you know our partners at Calvert home mortgage are an amazing mortgage lender for your burr or flip projects. They only require 20,000 down, no appraisals needed in most instances and can fund quickly. And right now we're offering Calvert home mortgages, free flip burr analyzer tool to run your numbers on deals. It's in our podcast description, and you can save $500 off your next deal with Calvert Home Mortgage when you mention our referral code, Breakthrough Podcast. Terms and conditions apply. All right, let's, let's, let's go back to, I guess, how you got introduced to the idea of wholesaling. Let's start there. So I first heard about wholesaling actually in 2016, 2017, before I went to get my license. Um, I would just research online all day, trying to, to find ways, I guess, to make money. It's a typical kid thing to do. Um, and I didn't do anything with wholesaling, which I wish I did back then because it was a lot less competitive. Just because I guess the marketing cost intimidated me at that point to be completely transparent. Um, but yeah, I kind of came back around to it. I got connected with, um, with Austin Ye and Waylon McGill. That was in June of last year, June 2021. We went for a coffee downtown and then started working with them in September because um, it just made sense. And yeah. Well, both both uh, past guests of the show um, uh, with those guys. So uh, good call out there. I can't remember the episodes they're on. I, I wish I could call them out. But uh, sometime in the last couple of years, for sure, they've been on here. Uh, so friends of the show there. So in... In the real estate world, realtor world, I should say, uh, prior to getting into full, full-time wholesaling, were you doing investor-type business? Uh, was, were you kind of doing a bit of everything? Um, how did you get into you know, finding these investor connections? Because you do need to wholesale real estate. You do need some investor. Uh, you need to find distressed properties. You also need to have some investors to sell these places to, to as well, right? Right. You got to make sure they're going to be attractive to the end buyer, whoever that is. For sure. Yeah, no. Um so I, I, uh, I hired a coach as well, Corey McKinnon. So I built my network a lot through that and just going to different network events. Um, yeah. And just over time, just trying, trying to build up the network of investors and also trying to find products that are attractive to investors. So when, when locking up deals, I'll always kind of say to myself, okay, who's going to buy this? 
And like, who is this going to appeal to? Because at the end of the day, the product kind of speaks for itself. Like if you have, if you have a good property that's desirable to a lot of investors, um, especially in this market now, they, you know, they'll, they'll find you one way or another because they're looking for deals too, right? So. So when you, uh, when you, when you were working uh, as a, as a realtor, um, what are some of the, you know, we talked about, you talked about uh, having a coach there. It seems like you've had a coach your whole, uh, you know, since you started out in business, I guess, um, for the most part, which, you know, we can talk a bit about that and how that's helped you. But, uh, but what did you learn as a realtor that helped you be a wholesaler? And like, why did you end up converting to being a wholesaler? Ultimately, we'll, we'll talk more about the wholesaling and how you actually do this because you know, 600k yeah. in six, six months is pretty cool. Um, it's a lot more than you made as a realtor by the sounds of it. How, how did you end up coming up with the idea to convert to wholesaling? You know, this is backwards from what Rob and I did, <laughs> total reverse. So, um, we, we started out doing wholesaling and then transitioned to realtor. This sounds like life. it's time to go back to wholesaling, possibly. <laughs> you know. I, know, I know, that's what yeah. I'm thinking. So and, and, you know, the wholesaling world, Rob, we were talking about this recently, too, is like when we were doing it in 20, I forget the exact years, let's call it 2012, 13, probably, 13, yeah, maybe, 12. give or take. Oh, my God, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you wish. And, and you know what the interesting thing was back then is that uh, no, we didn't know anybody that was doing it to the level that we see people nowadays doing no, it. Not in, not not in Canada. Not in Canada, right? So we, we, we would talk about this and look at all the Americans talking about all these great numbers and be like, come on, that, that's not, it's not possible here. And then like, any, like most things in life, you know, one person just kind of hits that next level of achievement and then everyone goes, Oh, okay, it is possible. And then, then 10 other people do it. Right. Um, so that seems to be what have, has happened with wholesaling to some extent. And, uh, and obviously the marketing tactics and everything has improved, have improved, but, um, but yeah, how did you, how did you decide to go into wholesaling? Why did you make that decision? So with being an agent, I, I kind of hit a plateau. Um, so like you mentioned at the beginning, I was doing between three to five million in sales per year. And my negotiating tactics and my problem solving is getting really, really um, efficient with being an agent. But I started to realize that I was only getting paid based on what I could negotiate for a client. So if I negotiated 100K below or 100K over asking price, depending on if it's a buyer client or a seller client, I was getting paid a percentage of that. But with those same problem solving skills and negotiating tactics, I could get paid in direct proportion on what I could use in my skill set. So it might sound kind of selfish, I guess, but um, I figured it, I figured it was just the, the better route to go. Um, not to mention having access to, to these deals because I'm working directly with the seller, which was a, a massive reason as well, because with, with being an agent, there's a lot of conflict of interest. If you're sending out like direct mailers, any direct marketing to a seller and negotiating with that seller um, to get a deal for yourself, there, there's a lot of conflict of interest. So um, this way I could tap into that as well. So it, it just made sense from, from a few different perspectives. Mm -hmm. And obviously it's working out so far. So uh, kudos to, to that decision, at least, at least uh, financially it's working out. Um, so let's, well, let's go like sort of nuts and bolts and talk about when you yeah. first started, um, you know, what, what tax tactics did you use to have the deals coming in? And then maybe let's just go through your first deal. 
Because that's always interesting, right, to people. And then it proves to you that, yeah, you can do it. And then, you know, you can continue on. And like, like Sandy was saying, just get the evidence. And once the evidence is there, then, you know, full, spe- full steam ahead. Yeah, so, so with my first deal, it was a property in Peterborough. Um, uh, he was a bit of a distressed seller. It was, it was more um, he liked the aspect of it being stress-free with, with going with a wholesaler. Um, and so went to the property. It was in pretty bad condition. Um, I guess I can go back a step as well. So when, when, I'm, when I'm getting on, on calls with sellers, um, first things first, just having a CRM is huge. A lot of wholesalers I find don't have CRMs. Um, also having scripting. So not, not in the sense of following the script um, like word for word, but having an idea of where you're going with the call. So at the end of the day, you're screening the seller. The seller isn't screening you. You want to see if, if they're a good fit for, for you to go see the property and for you to wholesale the property. So having like a value proposition, um, making sure that like value proposition in terms of what the offer will look like, what the process will look like, um, and what they're getting out of it. And then asking for something in return, aka price terms, kind of what they're looking for um, before going to see the property. So everything checked out there, went to see the property. Um, pretty rough condition. Seller was actually looking for more than what I was willing to pay. I just kind of went from... Uh, ARV work backwards from there based on the work needed, based on a few comps. Um, and yeah, it came together. Uh, it, it was tenanted as well, so that was a bit of a mess. Um, got the tenant out. So on that first deal, actually on closing, closing was two months after, and the tenant didn't leave. So we had to pay for the tenant's Airbnb for 20 days, I think, to, to get him out. So that's when I realized it can be a bit messy. But, um, yeah, I think, I think that those are all the details. Yeah. I don't want to miss anything. <laughs> that was the deal. Was it, that was somewhat local for you or that was, was Peterborough. It? Yeah. That was in Peterborough. I'm Peterborough, in Peterborough. Right. Yeah. Right. So right. within driving distance, you can go and figure all this out while you're there. What yeah. was the seller's, uh, problem or challenge or why, why was, cause a lot of times, you know, you're finding these, these sellers, there's usually some sort of a problem or distress situation, right? What, what was the, what was the stress for them in that, in that, in that, uh, deal? So at first I thought it was nothing and I just thought he would like the convenience aspect, but after the fact, and this was a learning thing for me as well to kind of dig deeper into motivation. After the fact, I realized that it was a tenant. He was a problem tenant. Then we had mm-hmm. to get him out. It was, it was a whole, it wasn't a mess. Um, it was stressful. We got it dealt with, with, within a day. We just talked it over with the tenant and said, um, Hey, you know, we can, we can pay for your Airbnb. We can pay for this, that, um, which was, kind of equivalent to a cash for keys conversation, but instead of just giving them money, we were willing to, to pay for their Airbnb. Um, so yeah, that, I think that was his motivation. And I only realized that after I, I locked the deal up. And the wholesale fee on that one was how much? Uh, it was pretty small. I think it was, I can't remember. Uh, 20K or 18K. And then it got cut down because we had to pay for the Airbnb sure. to like 12 or something, I think. Hey, pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I paid for a lot of marketing prior to that though. And it was like you were saying at, at the beginning, proof of concept type of thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh my God, when, like, am I, you know what I mean? Is this, is this worth it? <clears throat> like, am I going to get a deal? God, that one sounds good, but it paid for, for marketing. So <laughs> break even. Sure. 
and then that same marketing still continues to pay off. It's not like that was where the line was either, right? So um, let's talk about your marketing. What, what kind of things are you doing to uh, get the advertising out there? Yeah, so when I first got into wholesaling, I was doing a lot of um, SEO. So as an agent, I used to program my own ads. Um, I would do like Google and Facebook SEO. Did the same thing with wholesaling, and I still do it a little bit. Um, I find that it's not as efficient with wholesaling. It's a lot better as an agent. So I focus more now on just flyers, the traditional way to go. Um, Yeah, so a little bit of SEO, flyers. um, Yeah, that's about it. How do you, how do, in the SEO, you, so do you do um, anything else online? Do you do classified type ads or anything else? Like what, how, what, how do they end up finding you? They just find your, your website fast. Your website's fast Ontario home buyer. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So fast Ontario home buyer through the website. Um, yeah. And then just obviously SEO using that website. Um, and a lot of it's from flyers, honestly, the traditional way to go. Yeah. What, what did you, what would you say is the proportion Flyers for sure. Most of it. Flyers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What kind of flyers do you use? Like these are, these are kind of the, um, the little things that, you know, most people might not think are important, but you know, that the kinds of things that catch people's attention as sellers is, is very specific. So let's talk about the, uh, the flyers. Well, because the flyer, right. Everyone else I'm sure is the same. I throw 99% of everything that comes to our Mm -hmm. door. Um, I, and there's a lot of those flyers out there too now, because I know, you know, we, we moved recently. I don't get as many anymore in the past house I was in downtown Hamilton area. We got, we got like every, every single oh, yeah. day almost. We, Especially Hamilton, yeah. <laughs> we got, we're getting just littered with flyers from wholesalers. I know they're wholesalers. Most people don't, but uh, you know, I could all the different versions of it. And, and it was actually pretty interesting because I got to see the different, different types of flyers happening. And some of them were yellow. Some of them had, we buy cash fast. We buy no hassles. They had all the different kind of the buzzwords on there, but it was really interesting to learn about it. What, what type do you use? What are some of the key things there? Yeah. So um, basically just something that looks to be handwritten or something that's kind of, um, I guess you could say personal, like not too professional. Um, I think what's huge is having like a call to action. So it's, it's kind of just like an ad online instead of just on a piece of paper. Um, so uh like, I guess you could say like a little bit of a bio. Um, and then I guess you can call it a value proposition, like what it would include. Um, so like, you know, we pay for your lawyer fees. You can, you know, as is, you can leave what you want in the property, that type of thing. And then at the bottom, uh, having a call to action, uh, maybe you could even add in uh, what criteria you're looking for. So I know some people now are doing like, oh, we buy condos too, or like we buy townhouses too. So same format that you would use with an ad online like your seo or anything like that just on a piece of paper uh which is weird to me that that works better than seo and wholesaling but for some reason it does <laughs> i guess i think well, about the maybe the clientele right of, of who you're going after and yeah exactly yeah yeah and you know what what do they live like um maybe they're not sitting on online you know all day long they're maybe more traditional or I guess I'm saying they're older. They're not necessarily older people. I guess it's all over the place, right? In 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 terms of the demographic. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so we we talked about the first person. Um, you know that they just wanted the the uh, didn't want the hassle of listing the place, and this was much easier. It's just one person that comes through. So, what do you find typically is the value add that you offer to sellers that they are looking for? 
So um, I would say, I guess it, it, it depends on what it is because it's kind of a case by case basis in a sense. So um, like for, for, I'm just thinking on, on a specific situation. So for like one seller, it was, it was a cottage that I locked up. I think it was my second or third deal. And um, he, he was an old guy. He didn't want to deal with anything with the property. Um, and there was a tree in the front that he was nervous was going to fall down. So, and after talking with him for like an hour or so, I learned that um, that was a big thing to him. So I set up a company to come by and cut down the tree. I paid for it, locked up the deal. So it can be very specific things like that. Or it can be um, just, yeah, the convenience aspect. Um, some people, the house needs way too much work that they don't have enough time to do. They want to hand it off to somebody as well as save on realtor fees, obviously. Um, yeah, it's it's that as, as, a, as a more vague thing, but case by case, each situation is different. Finding the seller's motivation and then solving that specific problem is kind of where the value comes from. Okay. Now the next thing is this impressive number that you have um, being in this such a short time. Uh, we're talking 600,000 in six months, right? Yes. Um, so there is a very specific skill set required in order to identify which of these calls um, are going to get you to a sale on the end uh, and, and which ones aren't. Mm -hmm. And also identifying if they are, is, is there going to be that buyer that's interested in this property? So there's a bunch of things that you have to take into, into account there. How do you find or how have you been able to find properties that are going to appeal to uh, the end buyer? And who is your end buyer? Yeah, so, um, so with, with finding uh, sellers that, that are motivated and, and ready to, to do something now, I, I kind of use the same approach as when I was an agent. So within the, um, the stripping that I use with, uh, with each thing that I'll touch on, I touch on, I uh, call it timing questions. So I'll ask them directly, um, like, were they looking, you know, were they looking to sell now or like three to six months or just to get an idea, right? Because you'll find a lot of sellers, they're just looking to get an idea now, but they're not fully motivated until two months out or three months out because it could be a divorce situation or, or whatever the case is. So only working with, with sellers that are ready to, to take action and then adding in a follow-up in the CRM. So really, and then if, because I find a lot of agents and wholesalers will confuse themselves with, with being busy when they're not busy because they're, they're working with a lot of sellers that aren't ready to, to take action now where you could um, be working with somebody that is and follow up with that seller when they are ready in, in two, three, six months and just make sure your volume in your funnel is, is um, continuing to, to be large. Um, and to answer your question on finding properties that um, finding properties that appeal to investors. So, I mean, yeah, just I kind of running the numbers based on how I run the numbers for myself. So like for a flip, is there margin on this flip? How, you know, how much are the renovations going to cost? Um, would an investor find value in this? And a big thing too is is not being too picky because at the beginning I was too picky and I missed out on a lot of deals actually. Um, and coming back, I was like, why didn't I lock this deal up? Why didn't I lock that deal up? Because they, they seem like good deals. 
So even if even if sometimes I'll run the numbers or I'll look at what the cap rate would be and it doesn't make sense for me, if it's in a good area and it's it's a solid property, sometimes it's still worth it to lock it up and see if an investor will find value. And um, most times it actually, they, they do find value. In worst case scenario, if you do find an investor that's interested but they want a certain price, you can always go back and renegotiate with the seller and try to get something work to, to get the margin for yourself on that deal. I mean, you're in you're, you're primarily Southern Ontario area, anyways, where where real estate's yeah. hot, regardless. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I mean, sometimes uh, I I don't want to say you get lucky in it, but it it's there's the area is important. Like doing this in a in a really rural area is gonna be a lot harder. You're gonna have to be more picky. Um, but I I would agree. You know, Southern Ontario ish and anywhere in that vicinity is is at least currently. Um, yeah, there's a buyer for everything, right? Mm-hmm. And almost everything. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. If it's a good deal, it's it's there's a buyer for it. Well, even just the predictability in a price, right? Like is is more than what they would get most times if they're going to start offering on properties that are listed. <clears throat> so, yeah. So you look for a specific a- ARV. Like, is there a specific? Uh, uh, average or, or specific, like if you're running numbers, is that you want 25% off the, the like uh, fair market value or you want 10% anything around that? Or is it kind of uh, case by case? Case by case. Yeah. I think it's case by case and it depends on the price range as well. Um, so you kind of hit the nail on the head there with um, the area. So it, uh, with certain areas, obviously uh, there's going to be more demand. Sometimes it can be an irrationally hot market. Um, and there's going to be a specific buyer pool for, for different areas. So, if I was to lock something up in the high, like eight to nine hundreds, I would need to have a lot more margin on that deal. ARV would have to be like, you know, like 1.3 or 1.2 or something like that, depending on how much work it needs. Obviously this is very big, but if it's something that's within like the hundred, 200 K price range, um, you'll have a lot larger of a buyer pool because it's more affordable for, for a lot of people. So um, yeah, it's, it's just kind of case by case depending on price range as well. Hey, breakthrough listeners. Are you a real estate investor looking to scale your portfolio but struggle to find an investment-focused renovation company? Then our team at Evolution Construction Management is here for you. With our standard list of features and processes, we've created an efficient method to streamline your renovation from start to finish so you don't have to. Enjoy a hassle-free renovation on us. Visit our website at www.evolutioncm.ca or email us for your free quote at info at evolutioncm.ca. Have you had any deals go not go so well? Um, yeah, let me think. Um, that deal that I just brought up, the, my first deal actually, where we had to book an Airbnb for the, um, for the tenant, there was another one. It wasn't my deal. It was one of our bird dogs. Um, and so, and I helped him lock it, lock it up and we had to negotiate a cash because I'm not going to say we actually, Austin did most of that, <laughs> uh, negotiated a cash for keys for the tenant. I think it was like 6k that we negotiated, um, to keep our buyer happy. Mm, nothing too crazy. Like I, I've locked up a lot of deals within a short amount of time. So a lot of them actually haven't closed yet. So I have a lot of closings coming up like this month, next month and following. Um, so I think those two situations are probably the biggest as of right now. Um, anything you've locked up that you haven't been able to 
So, um, yeah. So I was on a bit of a, a streak. I think I locked up four properties. So this is when I first started. I don't know. I think it was three or four that they they didn't move because I was used to being an agent. And the way I am is just like, it's go go go. Like let me just see if I can get something done here. Let me see if I can get something done here. Everything is a deal to me, right? But in wholesaling, not everything is a deal. <laughs> and I learned that in the beginning. Um, so just locking them up with not a, not enough margin on them for an investor to see value, which it was a learning curve for me at that point as well. Yeah, and you know that's that's like if you do lock them up and you have trouble selling them, what are the typical outs that you would have in a clause? Like, is uh, is it a conditional sale at the start? Is it is it firm? How's that look? Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's just conditional on an inspection. Um, so inspection walkthroughs, all that kind of stuff, um, and we'll let them know. Like, you know, we'll work with partners on a deal. Um, sometimes we'll assign it to an investor, explain the assignment clause. Um, and if, yeah, if the deal is good enough, then, uh, potentially, you know, Austin Whalen or even me, like there's, a, there's a deal now it's, it's good price. So I'm doing the inspection myself on Thursday. I might take it down myself. So it's, yeah, we put the inspection there because sometimes that's the, why I got into this too. Like I mentioned at the beginning, cause I would like to start taking deals down myself that are discounted. Yeah. So you have inspection out, out, which is kind of a, kind of a, out in any like the way those typical clauses read it's pretty much an out just based on whatever you want to be out for yeah <laughs> like, exactly. you know, those those typical inspection clauses are pretty uh are pretty vague um and yeah, and, and and all in your favor as a buyer well it works well with the type of properties that you're going to see as well right <clears throat> yeah um okay so i mean you've scaled up like crazy um, is that, and, and most of that is just from your, your flyer marketing, you said. Yes. Yeah. So how many calls would you say that you're getting typically in, I don't know, a week? So I guess that depends too on if I've sent out flyers. So for an example, th- these past two weeks, I haven't sent out flyers. I've been working with a lot of follow-ups. So any call that I've gotten, like I mentioned before, um, if it's either a deal now or a deal in the future, if it's a deal in the future, I'll set a follow-up. So when I first started September, October, I got a lot of deals that I found were follow-ups. So right now I'm doing about, I would say in my CRM, I'm just on Salesforce. In my CRM, it's probably 15 to 30 follow-ups a day. And those follow-ups I'm either pushing forward or they're deals now. So even uh, from my first flyer campaign, actually from Peterborough, I said I broke even. Um, I'm going to lock up a deal today from that same flyer campaign, but it's just having that uh, person in the CRM following up with them. So new calls, not as many. And in the past few weeks, it's a lot of follow-ups from when, from when I first started. Okay. Yeah. Follow-ups important for sure. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. And um, when, so let's talk about averages then. So how many, how many uh, calls do you think that it takes and I'm not like, I, I guess it's tough to speak on the follow-ups uh, included in this as well, but let's talk about um, a number of calls that on average, it's going to take to get one deal done. Average of calls. Um, to be honest, I'm not too sure on calls. I think per, per flyers though, I would say like 20K flyers would be a deal in most markets. Some smaller markets, you can get away with 10 to 15K flyers being a deal. 
Um, but it also, it, it depends on the market there. How many calls? I'm, I'm really not too sure. I, I actually haven't tracked that one. <laughs> So 20,000, 20,000 flyers, uh, at what, what, what's roughly the cost of a flyer? Um, I'm not depends sure. On, depends on the scale, right? It's, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, for yeah, like 20, 20 K flyers could be three to five K. And I guess it, it depends too, like where you're sending it. Yeah. Like three to five K yeah. and with, with that three to five K, um, you, you can get a return for as long as you're following up these people and, and um, cause even, you know, if you send out flyers months ago, somebody holding onto that flyer will call you a few months later. And I find those ones are mm-hmm. more motivated too. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you can definitely get a really good return on it. So if someone was just starting out, uh, they do need some money. Uh, I know a lot of, uh, a lot of wholesaling type, uh, marketing out there is that you don't need any money. I mean, you need a little bit, you should, ideally you need a little bit. I, I suppose there is a way to do it with no money, but a little bit of money would go a long way so you can pay for your marketing. Um, would that be something you'd suggest for someone starting out? Would they, would they want to spend 5k uh, and have that budget budgeted for advertising? Um, and, and, or is there more cost than that too? Cause you know, you, you need, ideally you need a proper CRM kind of follow-up system. Um, you definitely need to work on your scripts and all those things. Those are just a few of the points that I would, I would think would be valuable, but yeah. What, what would you recommend for someone just starting out at wanting to wholesale properties? Would they... Do they need a big budget? How do they do it? Um, sorry. So somebody was just starting out. I wouldn't recommend to, to spend money on marketing from jump. I would, right. There's, there's a lot of free ways that you can, uh, you can find uh, sellers and deals. So you can even just do something like Kijiji. So I run a team of bird dogs as well. And they, none of them spend any money on, on marketing. Uh, the, one of them is looking to start sending on flyers bird dog but, uh, explain what a bird dog is for uh for some some people who might so know. bird dog yeah so bird dog essentially is uh somebody that would uh find deal find a distress seller bring it to us we would uh disposition that deal find an investor to purchase it and then they would get a cut out of the fee and they would be who are they are they average person walking down the street or are they like what the, how do they come across these deals um so yes yeah, so, i mean it can be through if you're doing uh, uh, free, like you're not spending money on marketing network or hustle. <laughs> so you can get on Kijiji. There's a lot of people that have facility by owners on there. You can, um, yeah, Kijiji, Facebook, that type of thing. Um, one of the guys, he has a junk removal company. So that, that so, he get, he, so he gets a call from a seller maybe that's, hey, come, I got a bunch of crap here. How do I get rid of it? Exactly. Exactly. He talks yeah, to them and says, "Oh, maybe this is an opportunity for John," and I'll f- float it his way after, right? Exactly. Yeah. So he uh, he actually got a deal. It's 125k feet. Wow. Yeah, and no marketing too. So it's it's very very doable with no marketing. And I told him like, "There's no point in spending money on marketing if you still have like holes in your bucket. So if if your skill set isn't fully there yet, then there's no point on spending money on it because you're you're going to be training with uh, paid leads. So you might as well do the free route just to, to kind of sharpen your skills. And then when you feel that you're ready, then pay for marketing. Plus at that point, you're just reinvesting the money that you made. So it's, it's a slower start to it. Somebody could obviously dive in like I did and just spend, start spending uh, money on marketing. But if you're just getting into real estate and just getting into sales, uh, wholesaling, or even anything in, in that regard, I would say uh, doing the free route for your first few deals and then reinvest that money in marketing. 
Makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it's probably important to, to for people to realize that you you were in sales, real estate. Uh, you know, you were, you know, six months in 600K sounds incredible. And and it's also, you did have some skills that you were developing a lot prior to that, that, that allowed you to ramp up pretty fast because, because you were used to talking with buyers and sellers and stuff. You were used to, you know, some of the scripts and systems and that you, you kind of had a good understanding of that. Um, I, I'm, I, I'm suggesting you probably learned a lot in that, that, that allowed you to, to kind of jump into this a lot faster than someone who's totally raw and green. And then like, you know, a f- fresh 18 year old at a high school that hasn't done any of these skill building things yet. I think, um, you know, they might not expect to hit 600 K in six months necessarily. Although, although it's not impossible, it would be a, you know, a really, really quick, uh, yeah, you, you have to develop skills to earn money in this. You're not just going to get given it for no reason. You got to work and, and develop some sort of skill set there. So I think, it's just important to note that uh, your your uh, success, really fast success, is is probably not the um, not the most common thing if someone's just starting out fresh. Well, what was the name of that financing company that we talked to a couple of weeks ago, Sandy? Calvert. Calvert. Like I, I think that you know if these guys were to team up with them, oh, then yeah. sort of the sky's the limit on that because they were. Have you heard of those guys? Calvert. Yeah. 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 Yeah, like, I mean, th- that would work in conjunction with you guys very, very well because they will roll the um, the uh, wholesale fee into the purchase price, yeah. right? So that, that might be like a, a really good key function for you guys and possibly, I don't know, I don't know how they would look at it, but possibly increasing the uh, margins even more. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. then it's not yeah then it's not coming out of their pocket well then the seller the buyer yeah isn't because that's one of the things that definitely years ago in more traditional wholesale that was always the question well i gotta come up with more cash right the investor mm-hmm. uh, because they gotta pay your fee whatever that fee is in cash historically um not always the case right that can come out of, of the deal in, in, in a few different ways mm-hmm. for sure yeah Calvert's definitely a good option for them. So uh, yeah, and people can go reach out to them too. We had them on a show. They're one of our uh, one of our sponsors. So reach out to them. Um, probably in this episode, you heard an ad for them somewhere. So uh, they are uh, they're one of our partners and someone we would help. We would we would recommend you reach out to and uh, utilize. They're a great option. Um, scripting and systems and stuff. I know you contribute a lot of that to your success. How important is that to continue, like working on that? Because you must get a lot of interesting conversations. I know, I know we used to in terms of what sellers bring to the table in terms of whatever their yeah. situation is. Is there like a core s- structure to those conversations that you have in mind when they, when what are the key things in? you need to take away from the conversation? Yeah. Yeah. So the key things, <clears throat> key things I would say is, uh, so obviously what type of property you're working with. So main components of it. So like bedrooms, bathrooms, uh, brick, vinyl, um, lot size basement, that kind of stuff. Uh, the condition of the property in their opinion. So I always like to go three levels deep. So when I'm, um, when I'm asking the condition of the property, I would say, um, so what's the current condition of the property? They would tell me it's okay. Um, what are the most recent upgrades or renovations that you've done to the property? They would tell me it's okay. Um, and so let's say if we were interested hypothetically, would there be anything else that you would say needs to be done to the property? So kind of going three levels deep there. Um, and then just asking them, um, no, it honestly sounds like a great property. Just out of curiosity, what was the reason we were looking to sell? 
So hearing, hearing what they have to say there and then asking uh, kind of leading questions. So, okay. So I guess you were looking to sell, um, just because, you know, it, it's, it's tough being a landlord, especially in Ontario. And I know it's crazy with the landlord tenant board. So kind of just engaging there and seeing if you can, you can get more out of their motivation. Try to go three levels deep there if you can, just based on, on what they say. Um, and then after that, asking the time of questions. So when are you hoping to, to get that done if things went well? Like, were you looking for three months, six months over the next year? Um, and you, you want a definitive answer uh, if, if you don't have a definitive answer like, oh yeah like maybe yeah yeah then you know that it's probably a follow-up right um they say yeah uh two months three months or you know tomorrow a lot of them say tomorrow because they're calling on a flyer <laughs> um and then you'll go into the, the value proposition so letting them know um, how the process will look uh, how the offer would look hypothetically if you were interested um kind of letting them know the terms and then the key thing is at the end of that value proposition asking them um so for an offer like that, what would you say be a ballpark range of what you'd be looking to consider? So the key there is ballpark range because you, you, I don't even want an exact price. Honestly. I just want to see if it's realistic for, for me. And you tell them that because a lot of the time they'll say, well, I called you for a price first. Okay. No, the reason why I'm asking is just to see if it's realistic for me. I don't want to waste your time. Come out of it. If it's not a realistic ballpark range. It can be as wide of a ballpark range as you want. It's not going to determine my offer anyway. I just want to see if it makes sense. Not waste your time. Um, and then getting, hopefully ballpark range from them at that point. Um, and then, yeah, if it makes sense, go to the property and follow up. Yeah. Well, I know. And that's, that's another thing I missed. So on the timing questions, if uh, the timing isn't right, if it's not within, um, not within one to two months, then set up a follow up and you don't, don't go into the value proposition or I, I don't go into the value proposition at that point. Um, because with the value proposition, there, there's only one bullet in the chamber. Mike used to always tell me that <laughs> my old coach, he's always telling me that, uh, with the value proposition because it, it's not value, it's not as valuable anymore if you've already said it to the months before then you say okay i already know this i already know this you don't have to tell me this again kind of thing um so yeah i think that's about it a to z yeah and if mm-hmm. not if not excited if not it needed to move in one to two months i mean there's usually a time motivation here right because if you know they need money for some reason they need out for some reason like if it's like They'll sell anytime, whenever, as long as the price is right. They're probably not overly motivated, right? Exactly. Yeah, you, you get a lot of those actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do but, you do with those? What do you do with those? Those types of because that's a lead for maybe somebody, maybe a realtor, maybe a you know mortgage person or something. Do you, do you do anything with those leads that are no good for you, but maybe for, for someone else? Yeah. So I I always put them in my CRM and I ask them if it'd be okay to follow up with them. I ask them when, um, and then I give them a call around that time because motivation could always change. Mm-hmm. Even if it's somebody that I talk to and they express that they're no longer looking to sell at this point, um, I'll still ask, was, is it just out of the picture? Or was something to change for now? And to me, everything is a deal. Everything is a follow-up until you tell me uh, I've already sold or that I'm never looking to sell uh, in the next five years. Mm-hmm. Oh, we just set a follow-up because you never know. Makes sense. Oh, very good. I mean, this is really impressive. I didn't want to get too deep in on uh, exact numbers for like the deals and stuff like that. I know sometimes, um, I mean, the one you were talking about was pretty crazy in and of itself. Um, but, uh, but, you know, just very impressive to be at that level so quickly. We wish you continued success, I guess, going forward on, on this uh, journey that you're on. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me as well, guys. Uh, you're buying, you're buying, uh, one, one last thing, you're buying some properties yourself too. I know you own something up in uh, Sudbury you mentioned. Um, 
I guess that's one of the other byproducts, right? You get to potentially scoop some of these for yourself mm-hmm. and buy some. Uh, do you see yourself buying a lot more of these as you grow? Is that part of the, the goal with, with wholesaling? Is it one, you get the income build up and then eventually you can actually, you know, purchase these yourself, right? Exactly. Yeah. And the nice thing is you get flexibility on the deal because you're not, you're not, uh, it's just you and the seller, right? Like you can have the inspection clause in there. You can go build a pour, go check out the property, do the inspection, all that kind of stuff. It's not like you're competing with 20 other offers, which is really mm-hmm. nice as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's the position you want to be in for sure. All right. Well, um, you know, if anyone wants to get on your buyer's list, uh, how would they get in touch with you? Yeah. So you could, uh, you can follow me on Instagram. Uh, my ad is uh, jpy, J-P-Y-E underscore. Um, yeah, you can get in touch with me through there. Um, yeah. Just shoot me a DM and then we can get you on the buyer's list. Cool. Perfect. Well, thanks for talking with us today. Um, a lot of really cool info. Uh, we haven't touched on wholesaling in a little while, so uh, mm-hmm. that's been fun. Um, maybe we'll have you back when it's, uh, you know, 120 K in 12 months. Yeah. Yeah. Those are realtor numbers, man. We don't need to realtor. Salary. We're talking wholesaling here. Uh, Sandy, how can people get in touch with you? Okay. Uh, Sandy at freedomreps.com would be the easiest or you can find me on social media pretty easily too. And, uh, connect with me that way too. And people can reach me at rob at mrbreakthrough.ca. And uh, thanks for joining us, everyone. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from the show. And we hope you've been inspired to take control and live life on your terms. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, make sure to like, rate, and review the show. And don't forget to subscribe and listen on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. See you next time.